welcome along to You Have Been Watching, the podcast that invites the different guests each episode to choose some of their favourite telly shows. They'll be asked to pick four separate shows from each of our categories and a couple of bonus choices as well. Why? Because they've won our made-up competition to spend a weekend away at a luxurious travel lodge in the heart of Preston. Joining me as ever for this expedition through television is Luke Bateman, a man who went to his granny's house for a game of swing ball and ended the day in A&E after splitting his chin open following a dodgy serve. And straggling along at sloth speed is my best mate and arch nemesis, Elliot Williams, a man who's an expert on the London Underground tube system, but didn't know whether Africa was a country or a continent. <laughs> All right. Is your grandmother limp at the wrist? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, it, well, uh, it was probably my bad serve, to be fair, and I was fetching a ball and I went down the steps and I split my chin open. <laughs> like a gangly marionette <laughs> falling down the yeah. steps. Yes, that's exactly what I look like playing tennis um, on a wet day mm. as well. And yeah, so I had to go to, uh, you know, the little accident room, the little boys room. I'm yeah. one of those people who's never broken anything or has never done anything to my face. You've never been to, uh, you don't well, you don't have to just go to a and for your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a precious wildflower <laughs> yeah. who's never been hurt. I've never done anything else. I've never had to go to hospital for any other reason. You didn't you, didn't you break your, twist your ankle doing ice skating or something? It was only sprained. It was only sprained. Nothing did you, happened. Did you go to the emergency room for that? Yeah, but it was. I was fine a day later. Oh, it was fine, was it? It's not particularly exciting. No. Somebody who has, though, uh, had to go to A&E is our guest today, George Rainsford, who had to go to Salisbury District Hospital because he damaged a tendon after accidentally punching Luke Norris during a stage fight at the RSC. Wow, that is a very actory anecdote, isn't it? Mm. I, I've, I've got some stage combat wrong at the RSC, darling. Um, <laughs> so our guest this week is George Rainsford, uh, star of Casualty, which is you know handy that we've been talking about and he is our, our guest this week oh that's very clever actually mm. i didn't realize that was what oh, was happening oh it's brilliant you've done me in there wait there's a script <laughs> you've done me in there i didn't even yes, realize yeah yeah uh, star of casualty star he's also been in holby city the sister show he's been in call the midwife absolutely anything hospital or injury related he's done it before we get on with it i do have to mention because we've never said this if you can please do leave us a review on your podcast platform services i don't know what you do i've never left a review in my life but please uh, on your if computer it's good, on your laptop on your cell phone <laughs> if it's good and you enjoy the show only if it's good if it's not please please don't and if you hate it you could still give it a terrible review but leave five stars that's a fair mm, compromise right yeah 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 you i know, think that's a good deal all publicity is good publicity right yeah here we go it's uh george rainsford episode of you have been watching and i'm sure you'll agree he's a lovely lovely chap so here on You Have Been Watching, we imagine that our special guest has won a weekend away in a hotel room in Preston, where all they can do is lie back and watch telly. They'll be choosing four of their favourite ever TV shows, and we'll be hearing why they've chosen them and what it means to them. At the end, we'll also ask them which television personality they want to spend their weekend with and what they'd like to eat. Our competition winner today is George Rainsford. Born 31st of July 1982 in Huddersfield, presumably conceived around 31st of October 1981, George is a British television and theatre actor. After an education at Repton School in Derbyshire, where we've no idea actually if he thrived or despised it, George moved on to higher education, notching a BA in drama from the University of Manchester, no less, and then a scholarship at Lambda, one of this country's most prestigious acting schools. George has had significant roles in Secret Diary of a Call Girl, Waking the Dead, Doctors and Call the Midwife, but... 
He's perhaps best known for his role as Dr. Ethan Hardy in Casualty, BBC One's double BAFTA award-winning medical drama, which he's been on since 2014, also starring as the same character in the programme's sister show, Holby City. On top of this, he not only competed valiantly in, but won Celebrity Mastermind in 2019. Yes, George Rainsford really is ready and waiting in his duvet-based recording studio to have a chat with us about the telly he's been enjoying recently. Hello, George. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming on. How are you? Were there any discrepancies there? Was that roughly all right? Um, No, I mean, I would have probably undersold myself so thank you that's very generous not at all not at all welcome to the show that little duvet den that you've got your recording studio in right now is amazing it must be very hot that looks like quite a high tog thread you've got yourself there yes so this i mean if you could see beyond the duvet if if, obviously this is a listening medium so i'll try and describe it it's um it's an upturned child's desk on top of an adult desk padded out with cushions and those funny triangular pyramidy sponge things and then a duvet thrown over the whole thing. And so me and my wife will record voiceover jobs, in theory, up here. Uh, and during lockdown, that's been quite, quite good. Absolutely boiling on a hot day because it's the loft. So you get ni- nicely cooked by the sun and you have to shut every window in the house. And I've genuinely been here in my swimming trunks because the sweat sort of pours off my back. I'm glad that you haven't done that thing that everybody does on Zoom and like decorated your bookshelf with all like cultured material. <laughs> You've just got a top hat, a, I think a duck and a fan. It's Tweety Pie up <laughs> there. There's a broken Bro- top hat, probably from his time playing Dodger when he was about 14. Um, and yeah. Recovery by Russell Brand. Shout out there to Russell. Yeah, it's quite an yeah. interesting bookshelf. It's what everyone gets. I've never read it. <laughs> I've never read it. I've got it as a gift. It's all right. I just wondered if we could um, talk about some of your roles. You, you have had an illustrious television career you've, you've been in many many things um but we were doing a bit of research obviously doctors obviously hobby city yep. casualty you've you've mastered the medical side of your um, repertoire that's fair to say isn't it yes although i think i think well casualty is the only one i've been a doctor in in doctors i was playing this sort of um idiot brother of a doctor and um and was supposed to be a drug dealer which was uh, a bit strange with call the midwife as well was uh, again i was a friend of the medics but i was in the world of of doctoring yeah and many people will of course know you as ethan hardy in casualty which is i'm sure you know this it's the longest running emergency medical drama television series in the world but people might be surprised to know that before you played ethan you took on another one-off role in casualty didn't you I did. Yes. Uh, a couple of years before Ethan, I was, it was one of those classic casualty caper kind of episodes. I was uh, a posh idiot as, as per, and I had laced my flatmate's cup of tea with some LSD and um, we both went tripping out on somewhere in Cardiff Bay. And I think I thought I was invincible. So I, I challenged him to hit me in the face with a plank of wood, which was a rubber piece of wood. We've, we've <laughs> seen this bit actually on YouTube. It's really? quite entertaining. It, it's quite entertaining yeah. with you smashing us the about that, um About that role was they made this, I suppose, like a, a mouth brace, which was a, a um, exact replica of my of my mouth. I had to go to this special place called Fangs, which does like prosthetics for, for, for that kind of thing. And then it was able to remove teeth from the front of my gums you know in appearance so i've got this piece of apparatus that only fits my mouth was it because of that role that they then thought actually this guy's pretty good we'll have him for ethan hardy or was it completely a a separate uh, audition process it was a separate audition process i i would have thought it would have done me a disservice if anything. <laughs> yeah no it was it was a couple of years later but there's a rule i think in any of those 
dramas that you're not allowed to reappear within 18 months or something. So I was, you know, I'd, I'd passed that test. Uh, but no, it was a separate audition and I think separate producers by then. That's really interesting, actually. Staying on Casualty just for a moment. Um, by the way, the theme tune is great one of the all-time yeah. best television theme tunes i'm sure you yeah, get that I mean, a lot it's kind of the kind of vintage one funny enough i i whatsapped some school friends about uh choices that they might have made because i had that weird thing where somebody asks you about tv you watch and you go completely blank it's like a bit like when someone says yeah have you got a funny anecdote for, for some, whatever some uh, drama school exercise or something and, and you just can't think of anything so I, I i got them sort of like talking about it and one of them did say well casualty was like part of my saturday night and, and i remember that theme tune invoked a bit a, a sort of sense of fear because i think i was a bit scared of it when i was younger you know the what you might see the accident there was definitely a, a couple of episodes that stick out where there was um the hospital was burnt down i don't know if you remember this is like oh god early. i was like 10 or 11 and i and it was genuinely quite scary and i feel like it was always after nine o'clock which meant it was it could do racier things absolutely as we said great theme tune very ringtone worthy as well um casualty it, it's had success at the baptist which we mentioned at the top of the show it won best continuing soap and drama in 2018 amazing achievement um considering that's a very very fiercely uh competitive category and you were the man that, that, that was up there leading that you you led the speech you you were doing the accepting on on behalf of the team that must have been a, um, an unbelievable honor and a privilege right uh, it was it was a it was a really special night yeah um none of us thought we'd win but but my producers were doing that thing of going oh well we haven't won for 16 years so we definitely won't win and i thought that just sort of says to me that we we might you know just because you're gonna have to hand it out at some point so i uh, i said well, listen if we do win and they kept going you know we won't and i thought fine but are you going to make one of the actors just impromptu accept the award and if that's going to be me please could you just give me a little bit of notice so with about the night before my producer just sent me a message saying yeah maybe just come up with a few words so thankfully I didn't do that thing of going oh my gosh I don't know what to say because I had actually worked something out and then they ply you with free champagne so uh, I was really grateful that I had thought of something to say because it was it was an out-of-body experience walking down the steps and kind of going onto the stage yeah amazing did you have work the next day was it really much a hangover kind of vibes day it was I was full of the joys of spring until I got back to Cardiff and then I, I, I it all crashed I fell into that kind of paranoid hangover and, and then had to sort of muddy my way through the afternoon <laughs> I'm sure you muddied your way through fantastically well. Call the Midwife, we've also just touched on that, but can we just touch on that again very quickly? That was Jimmy Wilson in that one, wasn't it? And yes. you were effectively the love interest to Jessica Rain, who's, of course, the yeah, main character. I remember you in it. I remember watching it. Um, my mum is a nurse and she loved reading the book. So I said I'd watch it with her. And you, you were great in it, by the way. Um, that must have been fantastic to be in. And did you realise it was going to have the success that it was going to have? Because it still gets like eight to 10 million viewers. People adore that show. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they did. I mean, I, I thought the scripts were really good. And as I did the same as you, I read I read the books. Uh, I was you know very well prepped, even though I wasn't in it an awful lot. Um, and loved the books, loved the stories, felt it was very... Um, know uh, a specific time but uh, really good stories to be told and the read through i remember just being in awe of, of your pam ferris's and miranda hearts and and all these sort of um grand you know dames of the industry um i was just thrilled to be amongst it and felt that the scripts were good but i didn't really know i, I think people you know might have worried that only a certain demographic would watch it like old people or women but I, it's it's covered you know it got got watched by millions so yeah it was really successful and then the read through for the second series there was just a different energy in the room there was just a sort of hey this is how it's done kind of you know it was great and and it's just gone from strength to strength i think yeah they've done about nine seasons now 
we can't not talk about uh, Celebrity Mastermind, or should we say how you became Celebrity Mastermind champion. I mean, that is quite a big deal. How did you feel when you got that call? And did you think of your specialist subject straight away? Or did you have to take some time pondering over it? Um, well, do you know, I, I didn't ponder over it. I, I sort of fired off a few obvious things for me, you know, because you've all got something you, you, you like, but I, they just kept getting rejected. So I nearly didn't do it because I was kind of scraping the barrel of stuff that I'd be happy to to research a bit. Um, so I'd suggested like um, The Office and Alan Partridge and England at Rugby World Cups, all things I thought were, you know, niche enough. But they, they came back and said, we've got, um, I think they had a sportsman on or they had a, someone who's doing sports so they said don't do sports or sitcom which you know takes out quite a big chunk of things that I like um so I said oh listen I watched the back to the future films a lot when I was younger and I thought that would be rejected as well but yeah it was good because I just meant I had to rip, watch three films rather than um somebody um in the group who was on Love Island was it Montana Brown Montana yes, yes. who was lovely she um she did Desperate Housewives but but up until like two days before apparently she suggested mammals which is just the biggest subject that's and, so uh, odd and then and then one of the other ladies on it was um she she kind of basically did the royal family but set at queue so she did like the, uh, you know a thousand years of history i just watched three, three films so yeah i was quite pleased with my choice we couldn't find uh, any clips of Celebrity Mastermind. Were the questions hard for you, or, or because you've seen the films, were they just off off the bat straight away? Um, the, the general knowledge, there was a there was a moment where I thought, oh my gosh, it's it's going really wrong because they give you a couple of um, um, easy ones to kick it off, and I got the first one wrong. Even though I've been on holiday to Venice, I got asked something about. What, some of the bridges in Venice and I said Florence that completely threw me for the second one and bear in mind I've got a sort of six-year-old and a four-year-old and we we live near Whipsnade Zoo so I go maybe once a fortnight genuinely and they asked me um, what's the study of animals called <laughs> I couldn't think of the word so I said mammalogy which sounds like study of breasts um, and um, so I'd got the two easy ones wrong and I could feel that the pressure I, I genuinely thought of that fight or flight thing I thought about just you know swearing and leaving and then they wouldn't be able to use it. <laughs> On a side note, Whipsnade Zoo is tremendous. We went for the first time two weeks ago. It's massive. It's huge. No it's red really pandas, good. though. I only went for the red pandas. Sorry, no pandas, did you say? No red pandas. I only went for the red pandas and the fuckers weren't there. It was a nightmare, really. Did you not see it? No, they're in some boxes. A bit annoying, really. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. One tree is a bit like the enchanted wood tree. And you have to spend a bit of time there. But there's a couple of red pandas in there. And we that's one of our favourites, yeah. I'm sorry, you'll have to go back. That's all right. Yeah, I will have to make a return. Where do you keep your celebrity mastermind trophy? Some people keep like BAFTAs and stuff in their, in their downstairs toilet. Is there a specific cabinet or does yours just go on a bookshelf? It, it's on a bookshelf downstairs. Yeah, nobody has been round and asked to see it. Nobody's commented on it. So I might have to move it to like in front of the telly or something. Um, also, another thing at Whipsonade, the very, very bad reviews for the um, toilets next to the rhino enclosure. Um, do you know if you can remember those at all? Next to the rhino enclosure. See if we can get a celebrity quote. They've got very, very bad reviews. I, on I, yeah, I think it's the toilets in Africa land. That's right, Africa mm. land. The toilet the reviews for the toilets are scandalous. Um, I don't remember them being bad, but we will tend to go to the ones by the tigers. Uh, ah, just there you go. I was in the I was in the Africa land toilets, and uh, another girl of my age just came in as I was washing my hands in the men's. 
Mm. Uh, and we had a very brief exchange and uh, she went, oh, sorry. And I went, it's all right. <laughs> it's and not nice left. to walk into a toilet when there's brown puddles, is there? <laughs> oh, well. I think we're doing a disservice. It was a good day out. It was a lovely it was a day, good day out. Yeah. Whips and do. Wow, big shout out to them. If they want to sponsor, please do. <laughs> well, uh, let's get on with it. Um, George, do you have a, a, a big relationship with television? Do you watch a lot of it? Um, well, obviously, this, this process has made me think to that. I, I did watch television, obviously, as, as a child. My sort of 5.30 to 7 o'clock was my watch TV. And then at the weekends, I'd watch a lot on Saturday nights, Sunday nights. But yeah, the, in terms of childhood television... Uh, I didn't, I didn't watch an awful lot of like your CBBC type stuff because I was always like, I went to school in a different town. So I think I was traveling back on the train or the bus or whatever. Mm, I'm looking forward to see which choice that is. Uh, but let's get you off to Preston because congratulations, George Rainsford. You've won a luxury weekend break to the idyllic city of Preston, where you'll be spending all your time in the finest twin bedroom Preston's Travelodge has to offer. It's common knowledge, of course, there's little to do in Preston other than to sit in bed all day and watch television. We hope you have a pleasant stay. So you're going to go off to Preston into a travel lodge and you're going to take four television shows to watch with you on repeat for 48 hours. You're also going to take a television personality with you and an unlimited food supply as well, but we'll come on to them a little bit later. Of course, it's your first option. You know the show format, which you've been listening to very kindly. Uh, your first option is a TV show that makes you think of your childhood. A Saturday night classic, Gladiators. Oh, that is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And I, I suppose we're talking uh, before they brought Gladiators back. So the original classic Gladiators. Yeah, yeah. I did I did re-watch it when they brought it back with, um, I think it was Kirsty Gallagher and Ian Wright, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was on Sky, um, actually. Yeah, it was a Sky thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like probably season two onwards, I suppose. It was like about 93... To, to 98 and it it, uh, it evokes real sort of memories of, of like the classic kind of Saturday night and um, my first love was probably Jet like uh, like many people I mean to the point where I remember we used to go to this really cool swimming pool in Sheffield and it had one of these and I haven't seen these since but I, th- I feel like they should they should come back or maybe you can just do them on the phone but they had this photo booth that you paid about six quid for where you could have a, a photo superimposed of a celebrity with you so I, I remember spending all my pocket money to get Jet from Gladiators uh, next to me, but because it was like, um, it was printed in reverse, it was like a mirror, I'd, I'd pretended to kiss her on the cheek, but as it was printed, it looked like I was kissing the side of the frame and Jet was the other side of me. So I had to spend another fiver <laughs> um, getting the correct, like, superimposed thing. And then I took it to school and told all my friends I'd met Jet at the swimming pool in Sheffield. Uh, <laughs> Over a yeah, tenner she- to impress people with something they know is not real anyway. Honestly, people were like, wow, that's really cool. You know, the fact that it was in a, a passport photo format didn't bother people. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard Jet a lot. Now, I, I've never watched the original Gladiators. I didn't really even watch the remake. So could you explain to me, who's a bit of a novice with Gladiator, what it's about? Because all I can imagine is they have these sort of lycra-clad, colourful outfits. These people yeah. stand on wooden plimps or whatever and spin around some kind of uh, plastic weapon. There's, it's all very There's camp. various activities that they have to, the contestants, and there's like two men, two women each week have to have to do and they and, and they're against the gladiators so the gladiators are they're, they're kind of characters but they're sort of fitness characters you know they're genuinely impressive athletes um you've got wolf who's the classic panto baddie and he would sort of like wind up the crowd and 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 they all had um they all had like specific skills and, and eye dents and they'd do different things and and sort of be their character so they were named after 
after animals and and or you know weather patterns or whatever and then they do you do various tasks to earn points which would give you more time in the eliminator which was this sort of 90 second obstacle course at the end so if you're good and you beat shadow at the duel which was like the thing you're thinking of with the giant cotton buds and you have to knock him off you'd get like six second lead over your your rival and then you try and get to the end of this 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 obstacle course i mean honestly it's i mean i can just i, I have visions of me like hitting my friends with pillows, pretending I was I was doing dual. Uh, this is before they worried about um, people taking steroids because all these <laughs> wide-eyed, crazy people. And it was just a really, very, it was very 90s. It had a big, like, thumping soundtrack. They used to sort of have um, another one bites the dust playing really loudly in the on the Birmingham NEC and everyone had those foam fingers. And oh, just the music itself just got me really excited. And yeah, it was just a real part of my Saturday night. Um, Jet seems to be a hit with the, the boys and the dads. What's Jet up to now? Is she okay? Care home now. It'll be on one of those BuzzFeed articles that you get. So Where is Jet now? 15 he, crazy she facts. Did PE after Gladiators because an ex-girlfriend of mine had her as a PE teacher, which I was very jealous to hear as well. Wow. Um, I, I believe Elliot is furiously Googling it now. Jet from Gladiators, see what she's up to. She must be in her 50s or 60s, maybe. No, 40s? Diane. She's only 50 Diane. now, actually. So she must have been so young at the time. Uh, yeah, I did health, fitness, lifestyle. I think well, fair play nothing to too exciting. No, no crack addict here. I think it's pretty, oh, that's good. pretty normal. Uh, your next choice is a TV show that gets you laughing. Okay, I've grown up with both Alan Partridge and The Office. And I couldn't, I almost couldn't choose between them, but I think I'm going to go with The Office UK. Have you had that loads? We have had it once before. Um, ah, okay. So you could maybe, okay. we could maybe reverse this and you could say honourable mention to The Office. Give us a bit of your love for honorable The Office. Because I think, you know, I, I was about 20 when the second series came out and I did the National Youth Theatre that summer. And I, I genuinely think because of The Office, we changed the way that we spoke to each other. We all did the, the the wrinkling nose, the sort of, well, the sort of <laughs> crackle in the throat, the kind of awkward silences, the sort of faux boastful thing. Um, and actors I worked with at that time, I, I, if I bump into again, like Matt Smith was one and the Treadaway twins. And if we see each other now, we fall back into 2003 office kind of lingo. And it's it's because of that, I was going to I was going to choose it because it, it feels like I can't let go of it because it, it changed the way I spoke. But Alan Partridge, I also grew up with and he's done so many different versions of that character and it's never got tiring. I, I, I think I would happily sit for 48 hours watching that on repeat. But yeah, the, uh, the I'm Alan Partridge when he was staying in the, in the travel tavern is the kind of vintage years for me. And uh, I, I was obsessed with that. It was very quotable amongst my friends. Um, and then I actually think it's back as good as it's ever been. Like the format when he did Mid Morning Matters where he's, he's kind of doing the radio show, which is the simplest thing where funny people, strange people in Norfolk ring in and he has like quirky guests who are played by very good comic actors. And it's brilliant. It's st so watchable again. Um, I think with that character, you, I mean, knowing me, knowing you, he was doing very well in his career. But if you follow the, the sort of career of Alan Partridge, ever since he shoots somebody live on air in that, his career takes a massive dive and that's why he ends up in Norfolk doing the sort of graveyard shift on the radio and then um, he has, has bouncing back but you know it's really just a series of bad videos and a bit of radio work and then he gets the one show equivalent which is called This Time he's covering somebody else because they're ill but that's as bad as good as his career can get because if he does too well 
I don't think you want to side with him. You know, you wouldn't want to see him back doing anything particularly, particularly good. Just like David Brent, Alan Partridge is obviously a total loser, as you've just alluded to. But that is why we side with him. There's something about the British psyche and British humour that we love siding with someone that's sort of not actually that likeable, um, ambitious, sometimes coldly ambitious, and often a failure. Yeah, I mean, they're a, I think they're a trier, aren't they? And 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 with with those two characters, they uh, they have a lot of ego, but it's not. They're not. They're not nasty. They're not. They're egocentric, so they're thinking about themselves and their careers, and 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 you can see, obviously, as a viewer, that they're not not as good as they think they are. But I don't think they're mean spirited, really. I think some people probably would watch The Office and, and and dislike David Brent, but he's just he's just harmless, really, isn't he? Because he's he's just in his little bubble. I mean, Steve Coogan, who I think I'd be terrified to meet properly, um, because he, he he's he's just kind of synonymous with Alan Partridge, but he's also very talented. He is so good, and anything pretty much that Baby Cow Productions does, his production company is usually absolutely superb. One of our casualty actors has been in it, uh, Die, who plays a uh, Jack, one of the paramedics, Die Botcher. She's yes. in the episode where she comes in and sort of cooks something in the studio, and um, and sort of slags off Tim Key's character, telling him to kind of get over this girlfriend and stuff. So I was asking her a little bit about it and she said that they improvised a lot at the audition and she barely felt like she was doing script or anything. And then they kind of, they re they wrote st- some of the stuff that came out in the audition. I think. We went to, I'm just going to buzz in quickly. I, I, you I was going to say, say well? Di Butcher's in everything. She's cropped up so much throughout our lives. <laughs> we always see her. We went to see uh, a musical I'm sure you're familiar with called Follies. It was at the National Theatre yeah. a couple oh, of yeah. years ago with uh, Melda Staunton. We were watching it in the front row and, and Di was in it. She was, she was very good. She yeah, had yeah. a slightly smaller role. And um, we got chatting to this elderly lady next to us in the front row who was Di's dance teacher or something from about 50 years ago and she was a very very sweet um lady and we kept getting chatting with her and there was maybe two intervals because it was very long and she was really getting getting very friendly with us and we kind of became her sons or her grandsons even throughout the evening and by the end of it she, we were um sort of linking arms with her she was she was asking us to hold her stick hold her handbag she said i've just got to go and see die she took us into the stage door of the national theater and we just had to pretend we were supposed to be there she took us right through uh-huh. the back of stage door. Uh, there was um, the actress Lara Pulver having a chat with Imelda Staunton, their friends. We were walking sort of around the corridors <laughs> trying to find Di with this woman that could have been our grandma but was a, a dance teacher from the industry for 60 years. Really, wow. really weird night. <laughs> that links some way to Di. Yeah, she's done tons of stuff. Loads of comedy as well. Um, yeah, she's brilliant. Very good. I'm Alan Partridge. Is your laughing choice or pretty much anything with Alan Partridge, really? But we'll go for that. Let's move on to your first bonus choice, which is a television personality. Can be an actor, actress, can even be someone who works behind the scenes. It can be whoever you like, but they're going to spend that weekend with you in Preston watching all those shows. Could even be a character. Could be whatever you like. Okay, so this might be rejected, but as she is an actor, can I take my wife? And I'll give you a good reason. Uh, we're nearing the end of lockdown and we have both been fantasizing about two days lying down watching TV. Um, I'm glad you said that. I didn't know where that sentence was going. I'll be honest with you, George. Going down the wrong road then. Um, because I've got, I've spoken to two different camps during lockdown and it's the, it's the non-kid camp and the ones with children. And the difference is, is the ones with children are just sort of sick of them as much as they love them, that they take up every minute of the day and every thought. And the ones without children say things like, 
oh, I'm just really bored. And I just would love to be bored. <laughs> so going up to Preston, sitting down and watching TV with my wife would be great. Yeah. Um, your wife's name, could you pronounce it for us? Because is it, is it, is it Jamie, Jamie Barbakov? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, a Latvian surname from a sort of Russian Jewish background, essentially. Okay, and she's an actress, isn't she? She's been in Black Mirror. She does a lot of voice work for video games. She, I think, she, yeah, she was in Pride, 15 Million Merits, I think the Black Mirror episode it was. Yeah. Uh, so a very valid choice. Of course you can take her. And I assume she will like all the shows that you're going to take with you as well to Preston. Uh, yeah, she's a big Alan Partridge fan. What was my other choice? Uh, so far we've had Gladiators. She's got kind of jet like, hair. I think maybe we could just take... Uh, a unitard with us and see what happens. Well, well, we'll leave it there. I don't think we should ask any more about we'll that. We'll install some travelators. <laughs> On to your third TV choice, which is the TV choice that gets you sweating. Okay. Um, I was going to do like a fairly dark thing that I've watched recently, but having listened to you, you guys, I, I just don't feel like this is the right place for it. No, well, let, let's it, hear it. Let's hear it at least. I mean, don't fuck with cats um which was a documentary on netflix i don't know if you saw it we watched it together actually i remember it we watched all three in a row didn't we we didn't even yes, stop I, did too. I basically had the afternoon off i'd heard of it well it, i think it might have just come up on netflix and i sort of thought oh that looks weird and interesting and obviously the first five minutes is fairly horrific but it's a good setup for the story and um, once you get through that that's what i tell everybody at work just get through the first five minutes if you're an animal lover you know st- stick with it because it's just unbelievable, isn't it, after that? And I was the same. I didn't know if it was going to be... Because th- Netflix don't always tell you how many episodes there are, do they? And I didn't know whether it was going to be one hour or, or ten. And, and at the end of the first hour, I was dreading it finishing. And then it, it kept going. I, I watched all three, and it was absolutely stuck to the sofa watching it. Yeah, we were absolutely glued. We actually couldn't move the same as you. Could you tell viewers that may not have yet seen Don't Buck With Cats what it's yeah. about without giving so too much away? It's um, a really awful viral video that went online about 10 years ago which features some very uh, graphic animal cruelty and i know that's not a great sell but that's the backstory isn't it and yeah a, a, uh, cat, a cat ends up deceased at the end i think we can say that can't we uh, which is awful and you and you you don't see all of it so don't worry about that but what happens and this is the story is a group of internet sleuths who don't know each other but they they interact online are outraged and decide to try and track down who did this awful crime and they they so they form this kind of facebook group and i think like any good documentary it's about the the characters so you've got this this lady is it um she's called body moving isn't she after the the beastie boys song oh yes you're her. right she'd probably be played by die botcher in the um fictionalized version <laughs> yeah. of the film <laughs> and then there's a, like a, a guy who lives in la called john i think but they're like the sort of leaders of this group and they and it's like a proper marple-esque trying to work out how how they can track this person down. So they start using technology. So they're like looking really closely at, at, at the room in which it's filmed and they're looking at prints on the bed and and, and, and sort of clues of the door frame. And, and and they go on this massive manhunt. But then the person who's who's responsible for the, for the animals um, start, sort of leads breadcrumbs, doesn't it? And then, and then it, episode one finishes with this horrific uh, twist and then it becomes something much darker and they're basically tracking down a serial killer and 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 it's just there's just so many twists and turns along the way and it's just really well done and i was i was literally sweating watching it like it was terrifying but yeah 
the, the thing with these extraordinarily well-produced Netflix documentaries is that they start with one moment, such as the, the video of the cat that you see, and they burrow and burrow and burrow down. So they don't overload you with information. They let the story grow in front of your eyes. And as you say, then you go through so many twists and turns, and you can't believe where you've ended at the end. Just yeah. in, you, you start with one eye of a needle sort of thread, and it just grows, doesn't it, hugely? Yeah, and I'm so glad I didn't google because obviously i did the three hours as well and and then i and then i read about about the characters um but don't do that i would say it, it, it's so surprising if you don't know the story as a nation we're becoming so obsessed with these true crime things that our, our appetites are sort of not getting satiated anymore unless these stories are as extreme as this one do you think that's a bit of a concern on a slightly serious note or do you think it's okay that there's enough crazy stories out there that we can live off yeah, I mean, everyone's always enjoyed the sort of the horror shows, haven't they? And I mean, people used to go and watch public executions and things. I, I think we probably are always going to be fascinated by um, by serial killers and and people who do these really macabre crimes. Um, <laughs> my, I mean, my wife absolutely loves that genre. She she got me into it. I know it's a bit of a strange thing, but but I feel like a lot of our our evening spent watching. Yeah, you know. Um, toughest prisons or like you know just weird gangs or or horrendous serial killers and things like that but it's it's fascinating isn't it it's trouble your final choice is your free hit show the television program that you couldn't live without okay so i'm gonna go with inside number nine um it's uh an anthology series which has done about six series now it's the steve pemberton and reese shearsmith and uh i think it's the most i think it's the most original uh thing on television and i absolutely love it if for people who don't know what what it is they're self-contained episodes so each one is 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 half an hour and they're always set set sorry in a number nine so it could be a hotel room or a a gothic mansion or or whatever anything in between set in with any genre so they've done they've done a whole episode without dialogue they've done a lot of um i mean that they, they, they enjoy the sort of darker end of of comedy so a lot of it's black humor and uh quite quite macabre kind of i mean when i was uh growing up i read all the roald dahl adult short stories you know the tales and the unexpected and that, and it's that it's that kind of genre i think it's it's sort of funny and well observed and then a little bit dark and 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 sort of unsettling it leaves you with a funny taste in your mouth but yeah the only thing that links them really is the nine and the fact that steve pemberton and reese shearsmith are usually in both of them are usually in uh, every episode and i think there's like a little brass hair that they use that they put as a sort of easter egg thing for, for fans to spot but it's just lovingly made and they're they're not they're not all as good as each other everyone's probably got their favorites but they're all different and you never know what you're going to get it can be absolutely anything. There's one that's kind of set in iambic pentameter with Zanzibar. Yes. There are so many different genres that they explore and they have the freedom to do so. It really yeah. is just incredible. I'm going to ask now, do you have a favourite episode? If so, which one? I do like the ones that sort of affect you, you know, the, the more unsettling ones or the more emotionally punchy ones. I, I, I do Listen, I do like the smutty, humoury ones as well, but but the ones that l- stay with me, there's... um. The, the 12 Days of Christine with um, Sheridan Smith's a really good one. And the um, in, in the more recent series, there was Inside Bernie Clifton's Dressing Room, I think it's called. It made me cry. 
that's really good. There was the Christmas special, which Jess Rain did, who was in Call the Midwife with me. And um, that had a really good twist at the end where it went quite dark. I like that one as well. But yeah, they, they're, they're all really good. Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith just have this unbelievable imagination and an unbelievable connection writing together. I, I was just going to ask you, really, do you think it's got the success that it deserves because it has Steve Pemberton's won a BAFTA for it best comedy performance it's hard to quite categorise it because it's so original do you think it's still quite underrated though and the fact that it's on a late night slot on BBC2 possibly but it's a bit like uh, when you discover a band when you're younger and then they become massive and you go oh that's a bit annoying because they were kind of mine you know yeah like I went, to, I went to early Mumford and Sons gigs and thought I'd found this really cool folk band and I feel like they've they've sort of ruined that for me <laughs> by being too damn successful so I don't know if I'm bothered by that. I, I think maybe they do deserve more success. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they do. But um, it's also quite nice. It's definitely one of those shows that I expect everybody to have watched. And and to be fair, a lot of my actor friends definitely, definitely do. But I've mentioned it to other friends and, and they've not even heard of it. And then I say, oh, just just start it. And just even if you don't like the first one, just keep going because they're all different. And yeah, they I think because they're on Netflix now, aren't they? So you can watch all 31 or whatever. You know, you, you should never meet your heroes type thing. But and this isn't an example of that. I did meet them once uh we did a uh and it's not meaning to be a name drop because i'm genuinely in awe of them so i didn't know how to talk to them but i did a charity gig up in up at chester cathedral at christmas where we had to read sort of christmas stories and things and they were there and i just couldn't believe it and i i didn't know what to do and I, I the odd time in my life where i've met people i genuinely idolize i tend to ignore them because i don't want to come across really badly so i've met like a, a, a couple of band members and, and just ignored them uh, but but these guys I, I didn't know what to say to them so I spent the whole evening just ignoring them but then the next day at breakfast it was a bit like um one of those period jobs where everyone comes down for breakfast in the morning you know and they were just there having their eggs benedict and I just sat next to them and without meaning to sort of asked lots of questions about the show because I think they were maybe done about two or three seasons by then but it was it was brilliant I was trying to be cool because I'm an actor you know and I didn't, didn't want them to be think you're a weird fan but I was definitely being a weird fan as well it's a hard choice isn't it between sort of playing it cool and just going back to your family and saying yeah I was sat next to so and so and so and so I didn't say anything or just thinking I'm never going to see them again I got to bite the bullet really yeah. we had a similar well, thing we we were seeing sorry we were seeing this show a couple of years ago at, at the Edinburgh Fringe and behind us there were these sort of cackling laughs and it was Jennifer Saunders, Aid Edmondson and Ruby Wax and they were sort of floating around as you do in uh Pleasant's Courtyard, which I'm sure you're familiar with, the place in Edinburgh where everyone's buzzing around, there's drinks. And we just thought we're never going to get the chance ever if we want to just sort of say hello to them or just sort of just just say, you know, thanks, thanks for your work, that kind of thing. So we bit the bullet, we went up to them, we kind of got them when we weren't interrupting them the most, and we just kind of went, Hi, um, we're huge fans um thank you uh, and, and then we just sort of left and they were so confused they didn't really say anything it was like we just sort of dropped um a bomb and then left and felt a little bit embarrassed about it but at least we had that moment yeah I, th I think that's absolutely fine it's not invasive is it i mean yeah they probably just are just a bit awkward about it i suppose but um i think we might yeah, have shaken I, I, a hand <laughs> i think we might have shaken jennifer Saunders' hand and by shaken i mean she didn't offer it and neither did we we just sort of took it like an old lady that you might just sort of caress her and say it's okay it's okay and then just sort of left the best one we have that we will will stick with is we did meet richard curtis once he was at a show in london uh he, we saw him he's behind us then you know we saw him again we thought okay if we see him again in the auditorium or in the foyer walking around with a coffee with a drink we, we've got to say something because he's obviously a, an idol anyone that loves sitcom anyone that loves comedy knows that richard curtis is a godlike figure we sort of waited for him um 
I, I can't put it another way, outside the men's toilets for him to come out. And he came out. We didn't shake his hand because we thought, if he hasn't washed, this is a nightmare yeah, for germs. Yeah, yeah. And he came out and we just said, look, we're, you know, we're humongous fans of yours. And um, he was very amazed, I think. I don't think he has many fans that are sort of under 20 as we were at the time. And all we have was this little um, poster or a little bit of a, a post-it note. He signed it and he said, look, I met Harold Pinter once, my idol, and he was an absolute arsehole. So as long as you remember I'm better than him, it's fine. And he wrote that and he signed it for us. Lovely. No, that's really good. I mean, I'd like to think I've never been impolite to people who've like stopped. But then people do do a strange thing sometimes with them, um, with casualty where, because it, it, it's not a, uh, you know, famous British sitcom. I mean, it's got a place in lots of people's hearts, but I don't think it's like a thing that people necessarily want to admit to to watching, especially when they're of a certain age. So you get a lot of people sort of kind of go, oh, you're in casualty. I, I don't watch it myself. I, I, I can't. I hate it. But, um, but my wife would love a photo. You know, I'll say something, something like that. And you go, oh, yeah, cheers. I haven't actually come up to you to tell you that, you know, I, I hate accountants or something. It's, it's a really odd way in, you know. But it's them kind of going, listen, I'm, you know, I'm not okay with this, um, but I wouldn't mind a photo as well. <laughs> I'm not a freak, but I don't mind you. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really, that's a real contrast there. The weirdest one was I, I was doing a half marathon and I finished. And the, the bit where you're catching your breath and you're sort of being funneled in to collect your medal, a guy sort of went, hi, hi, uh, can, I get, can I get a photo? I can't stand casualty, but, um, you know. <laughs> and I thought, I've just run a half marathon. Like, that is the last thing I need for my, my endorphins, which I've just built up, <laughs> for you to just crush me. Um, I, I wish I'd said no. I had that moment on the stairs, isn't it, they call it, where you think of all the good things you could have said. Like, Yeah, you, no, that was your one moment in life, even though you seem to be such a polite man. That's the one moment where you had total vindication to say, fuck off. No. I've just run a yeah. half marathon. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I didn't smile. You know, that was my that was my little victory. <laughs> well, very good. Your free hit was inside number nine after that fantastic tangent. Uh, we're going to go on to your last choice, which is your second bonus option. And it's your unlimited food supply or snack item that you get to eat uh, throughout the whole weekend with your wife. So I've thought quite long and hard about this. Snacks are an important part of my life. And uh, I'm a big fan of the of the classic sort of cinema snacks. So I'll, I'll spend a good £40 at the cinema on tickets and snacks, which is, you know, always a bit stupid. But I love going up to the sweet stand and kind of planning to spend 50p and coming back with like £6 worth of like sugar. And I love chucking minstrels into a salted popcorn and stuff like that. But I'm actually going to go... Sorry, 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 sorry. What? You love chucking minstrels into a salted popcorn? Yeah, because obviously it's dark in the cinema and you might have bought minstrels and salted popcorn. But and are I you find, purposely mixing? Well, what I'll, what I'll ask the vendor for is um, a, a small amount of sweet popcorn at the bottom, followed by my choice of salt. But the minstrels is just so I've only got one um, receptacle for, for my, my snacks. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's okay. I understand you, you want to put it into one container. I thought it was because you like mixing the flavour. I was going to say we're going to have to explore that. That's really big in America. Is it? You, you, you get your popcorn and then you choose what kind of sweets you have on top of it. So you might have Smarties or oh, Skittles or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's pretty big over there. I'm not really too much here. But... Oh, I see. That's what I thought you were doing. But you're just doing it to have it all in the one receptacle. That makes sense. It's practical purpose. But that wasn't going to be my choice, actually. Um, I've gone for something a bit more niche, which is uh, Rivita with anchor butter and then Bovril. You had me until the word Bovril there. Yeah, you see, a lot of people don't like Bovril. Those people are wrong. 
So Bovril, for anyone under the age of, let's say, um, 65. Um, so Bovril is obviously a hot drink that I associate very much with football. Is that correct? I think so. I think they used to drink it in the stands and stuff, didn't they? But you'd, yeah, it's, you make a sort of gravy slash hot drink with it, usually. A uh, slightly beefier version of Marmite, I think. But on toast or on crackers with like a good salty butter, it's honestly amazing. To the point where my wife is vegetarian, well, she's pescatarian, uh, but she eats it. Um, just just cheats because it's beef extract, but she just pretends because she loves it so much. She just pretends it's vegetarian. Okay, so let's go through the process here. You've got your rye vita. Is there different types of rye vita? Is there different types of biscuits? I don't know. Do they have cranberries in them? I don't know. I think it's just your traditional original rye vita. Um, and th- this actually is a nostalgic memory for me, where I would come in from school, stick on neighbours, loosen my tie, and eat eat bovril on crackers do you do you dip the rivita with anchor into the bovril or do you lather no. that on the top yeah you make a sort of t- a sandwich a piece of toast like you know spread it on so are you putting you're putting the bovril on the rivita as well yeah i thought you were just having it as a separate drink no no, no i'm having hot bovril i've actually never had hot bovril i don't i don't know what that is oh so you're spreading but... cold bovril onto oh. onto the rivita as if it is another type of butter next time you you know of a Saturday morning, wow! With a cup of tea, a bottle on toast, it will change your life. If it might do, but I don't know if it's for the better. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, do, you, do your kids like this? Surely not. Have they tried uh, it? It's maybe an acquired taste. It's do you, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic choices. You are off to Preston, George, and you get to take the TV show that makes you think of your childhood, which is Gladiators. The TV show that gets you laughing, which is I'm Alan Partridge. Your TV choice that gets you sweating, which is don't fuck with cats. And your free hit is inside number nine. You are taking your wife with you, Jamie Barbacoff with you. I think I've got that right. And your food item, your unlimited snack, is Rivita with anchor butter and bovril. Now, I'm not going to lie. Up until you nearly ruined it at the end, that is... My favourite selection... That's very of... harsh on his wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the wife. The food item. That is my favourite selection of TV shows we've ever had on this show. Do you reckon? It really is. Gladiator, I think it's such yeah. a fantastic mix. We've got some great comedy in there as well, haven't And we? they're all shows I love, which is really rare. I've heard a, of all of them. And then a feline killer. And then a feline killer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your specificity on the snack as well, because often it's, you know seedless grapes but that that is so specific and and sounds so sort of um <laughs> repulsive <laughs> that someone's gonna try it and i think we're gonna have to try it aren't we we will do yeah. we'll give it a go uh my grandma won't have watched any of them uh but she'll be very interested she probably had probably has the rye from bovril if anything she'll have enjoyed a bovril post wartime well, yeah exactly i was gonna say yeah um but yes thank you very much george it has been a, a real joy and a real pleasure we we've had a great chat today so thank you very much for coming on the podcast that is oh, amazing thanks And I'm not lying because that was one of my favourite batches of TV shows we ever had. That was George Rainsford episode of You Have Been Watching. I agree thoroughly with you. They're all shows that we love and adore. And he actually had loads more as well that we just had to get rid of because he was going through two, three options every time. Yeah, finally. We've had that recorded so long. Poor man. Yeah. He's been waiting to hear it back. I know. His friends and family have been on tender hooks <laughs> for so long. Do you know, I, 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 do you know if it's tender hooks or tender hooks? Oh, I don't know. It's like an old wives' tale, isn't it? I've got it? a feeling it's tenterhooks, you know. Tenter? What's yeah. a tenter? 
I don't know. And that's not to criticise, because I might be wrong, but I think it might be tenterhooks. Oh. Just going to put it out there. Oh. I could Google it now. Very interesting. But I'll leave it up to, <laughs> to us to decide later. His childhood choice was Gladiators. I liked it. It was a Saturday evening. It's a bit of a game show. It's like Ninja Warrior come total wipeout mix mash. Great fun. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I have seen clips. I did watch some YouTube clips of some of the, the best fails of the... What's the end thing called? It's like, you know, the end game or whatever. And um, some of the, the things are, are not very health and safety approved, certainly in the old days. Like people and that's were, why we love it. Yeah, people were breaking their necks coming off triangles. Brilliant. Yeah. Love that stuff. Yeah. The TV show that got him laughing was I'm Alan Partridge, a brilliant series. Series one, especially for me, was phenomenal. Great, isn't it? Absolute staple of the sitcom lover. You've got to love Alan Partridge. I don't love it all. I don't love it all. I didn't love this time that much. And I haven't seen Mid-Morning Matters, the one on Sky. I'm not Better. a great fan. No, you didn't like it? I, I didn't, didn't like, like it. it that much. Um, but the early stuff, knowing me, knowing you, I'm Alan Partridge, oh, yeah. brilliant. We had to narrow him down a bit. He's taking his wife, which is allowed, because she is an actress. It's Jamie Barbacoff. We've never had anyone bring their wife before. We did have Clive Tilsley try to sneak his wife in to the Travel Lodge Preston. Instead, he took her lasagna in a Tupperware. We didn't let him, for some reason, have his wife, but we have allowed George. We've relaxed the rules a bit for Series 2. Well, Clive's wife isn't an actress. Well, that's very true. There we go. That's the reason. So Jamie Barbacoff is allowed for a children-free weekend in Preston. The TV show that got him sweating was Don't Fuck With Cats. We didn't bleep it in the end. No, we didn't, <laughs> which is why I emphasised the fuck a lot in the actual show. Um, we, as we said to him, we were glued to it for um, five hours or however long it was. We, our heads were literally like stuck to the leather of the sofa. It was so compelling. And the thing with these Netflix documentaries, when you binge them, unfortunately, you very quickly forget what they were like. Which is how they get you, because I would rewatch it now, and you know, I'd watch it as if I'm watching it for the first time, because I've forgotten most of what happened. His free hit was Inside Number Nine, one of the cremes to the creme of comedy dramas. <laughs> creme de la creme, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Cremes to the creme. <laughs> it's like ten hooks. <laughs> <laughs> Knives to the grind, cremes to the creme. Uh, it's brilliant, isn't it? We love it. Absolutely love it. They're geniuses. There's been loads of series. You've got to watch it if you haven't watched it. And you can watch it in any order because they're all standalone anthology stuff. The food that he is taking, oh my word, God love him, but this is mental. It's rye vita with anchor butter and bovril. Yeah, not a glass of bovril, which is what I thought he meant, like a mug of hot bovril. He means like the, the spreadable like the paste. Marmite-esque paste. Uh, yuck! <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not a vibe, is it? Yuck! Bovril or Rivita. But he likes it. His wife likes it, and they're going to be munching on it together. So fair play. She to loves them. it. She's a vegetarian, and she still eats it. Yeah. That's her treat. Her cheat is not steak or you know, lovely piece of wagyu. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's wagyu? It's like a cut of um, steak. It's like a cut of beef. Really? Yeah. It's like, it's very expensive and very. Oh, it's not for me. No, I never tried it. Never tried no. it. We should try it one day. Mm, maybe. Yeah. We'll try Rivita and Bovril first. Yeah, I think I'd probably take some of those choices to Preston as well. Including his and wife? I'll tell you what, I would take his wife because we'd have a jolly old chat because she seems lovely. He's lovely, so there must be a match made in heaven. <laughs> Aw, very sweet. <laughs> anyway, um, good day. 